Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are again with another episode of the podcast, Multiple Voices. Today, I'm with a lovely, lovely woman, Tina Irwin. Say hello, Tina. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to be here, especially since you're broadcasting from Rome, one of my favorite cities on earth. (laughs) And um, there's a time lapse between us, nine hour difference. And so the time she hears will take a little longer, but that's okay. Who is Tina? Tina is a, she considers herself a ghost helper. She's very passionate about being a ghost helper. Her mission is to teach the living how to help the dead. And she wants to empower everyone to help any ghost they may find. Tina says that this is the compassion we will all want for ourselves when we pass. And um, she urges us to use a crossing over prayer um, that will help this. She studied metaphysics most of her life, gaining insight into the mystical world of magic and spirituality. She's authored eight books on metaphysics, and she'll let us know where we can find those books. Um, Now, before... I will stop my introduction uh, to her there because there's so much to talk about. So um, let's begin, Tina, by asking you, how did you get into this line of work? Well, I'm probably not unlike an awful lot of people that you just you've sort of been psychic all your life and you just, it sits, it's like a subroutine that sits in the background. And then something happens that forces you to wake up and figure out what's happening. And I spent 20 years in the U S Navy and I retired at the commander level and the Navy moved us from three years in Italy Mm. and we were two lieutenants, no kids and no dead. It was the most awesome three years of my life. And we moved to Charleston, South Carolina into a house that was 18 months old. And the house in the entire neighborhood were so profoundly haunted with ghosts that went back to 
the 1600s. And so I had to really push it into high gear because this was a mischievous ghost. And uh, we called him Jake and he would steal things from us and he would pound the walls and you could hear plaster falling in the walls. And he would warn us about things or wake us up in the middle of the night or one time he let us know there was a burglar trying to break in and I was able to call the police before something happened because my husband was at sea. And so I came to understand that there are such things as ghosts. And then I pumped up my courage and I asked my neighbors and neighbor after neighbor after neighbor was having these experiences. So then I started talking to real estate agents and they said, Oh, everybody knows your neighborhood is super haunted. Like, and nobody's done anything about this. And I contacted the Duke School of Parapsychology. I read everything I could get my hands on, and nothing worked. And so my psychic ability was good, but I'm not going to cross over yet, or he would have been gone in a skinny minute. And then we got sent to Norfolk, and I continued to work for the submarine force. And we had some, a lot of interesting things happen there. And then we got sent to San Diego and then everything rocketed even more. It's like everywhere I looked, there was a ghost. And I had a very bizarre situation take place where I guess somebody could see the future and they wanted to make sure I didn't live very long. So someone tried to kill me psychically, which is probably another interesting show. <laughs> And I don't think I'm the only one that's ever had that happen to them. But I figured out who it was. I figured out how to protect myself. I was drinking from a fire hose of learning. And at, and I'll make a very long story short, the individual who targeted me, as I actually learned how to return the energy to him, died. In the moment of his death, it's like someone opened a doorway and I could see him. And that was the beginning of remote viewing. And I could see him in bed. I could see him leave his body. I could see him rise. I could see him, uh, his wife call 911. I mean, it was crystal clear what I could see. And his anger that I didn't die and that what he sent to me, he died of. And it was... Um, one of the most chilling experiences I've ever had. Give me a second here. I realized I'm not the only one that has had someone really try to target them on a psychic level. I'm not the only one that's ever had a house full of ghosts. And when I realized all of a sudden I can see through walls and doors, and believe me, it's not a talent that you really want to have because it doesn't come with instructions. And you have to understand the tenets of spiritual law if you're going to do this and not violate a lot of spiritual laws that can earn you horrific karma. But as the sky died, I could see all this. My brother was with me, and he said, we should cross him over. And I said, I don't know how to do that. And he said, let's do it together, because he was pretty psychic too. And we made a request for angels to come to this man because all of these dark beings were coming to him and, and clawing at him because he was doing dark things. 
And then I saw this light appear and we asked the angels most respectfully to take him to the other side to what we learned to use the term the correct realm of the heaven world because what happens at that point is not for me to judge you cross over people including murderers including people who do horrific acts because in our father's house there are many mansions not for me to judge but getting him out of the lower astral and into the heaven world enabled him to have a much better opportunity for whatever the future held. And as just as he crossed over, he said, why would you help me? And my answer was that you're not mine to judge. My job is, my job is spiritual service. It is not judgment, thank goodness. And from that moment on, I knew how to do it. And then I started to hone the skill and I realized that I needed to be able to teach other people how to do this in a much easier manner than I had to learn. And that's when I, after several years in 2012, I came up with the crossing over prayer and that's in the crossing over prayer book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask Long story, you, sorry. <laughs> um, no, 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 this is wonderful. It gives us an in to what we need to talk about most importantly is the crossing over. And uh, before we went on um, AR, before we started recording, you mentioned that it might be uh, worth our while to talk about that. What exactly happens to the best of your knowledge when someone starts to pass, when they die? Uh, can you describe that for us, Tina? Yes. I uh, actually have a video on it. You know, uh-huh. what happens when I die? And it's on ghosthelpers.com. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people know that death is coming. You can see it. You can feel it. It's happened to me several times. It doesn't always have to mean you're going to die, but you can feel it. But for some people, they have no idea it's coming. But the process is the same whether it's instantaneous or it's a long process and you go into a coma and that kind of thing. And this process is detailed in the Tibetan book of living and dying. I want to make sure that I give people multiple sources because I didn't just wake up one morning and I'm all knowledgeable. I have studied my little heart out. When the soul is going to leave the body, all of the major systems shut down. And the last to shut down is the heart. The seed atom of the soul lives in the heart. This is a very important part because that is where your Akashic record exists. It gets written through your solar plexus because that connects you to everyone you've ever known, every place you've ever been, everything you've ever done. But the thumb drive for your life experiences past and current exists in the seed atom of the soul. It's incredibly important. And so when the soul dies, the energy that animated that person instantly is separated from the body. And some people can see it as this wisp. There's a very famous photograph that took place about three years ago of a motorcycle driver and the person was was photographing the scene and they saw the, the motorcycle driver's body 
on the ground and they saw his soul start to rise. And he would have basically stood by the policeman and said, what happened here? You know, why can't I, re you know, why can't I call anybody? Once the soul leaves the body, they are now in a world where they're not quite sure what to do. And they realize that they may have gone to church five days a week and twice on Sunday. They may have followed all the tenets of their belief system, but they still don't have a clue what to do what, when they die unless they're Buddhist. And the Buddhists are very careful to instruct people on what to do at death because that is as important as anything else you will ever learn in your life. And when you leave your body, you can ask for angels more than one. And yes, you can impose on your angels by all means. They love it when you do that. You can ask for angels to guide you to the heaven world. And we know that this is the process because in the 23rd Psalm, which exists in almost every culture on the planet, that is the instruction guide. But people don't look at it that way. So when you say, lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as you leave your body, that is the place that you enter, the valley of the shadow of death. Everyone has to go through the same process. Why? Because we live in the third dimension. You want to cross into the fifth dimension or the heaven world. So the fourth dimension is like a step up transformer because your frequency is depending on how you died. If you were murdered, you died in battle, your frequency is going to be pretty low. If you died in a hospital and everyone's loving you or you died at home and people are saying prayers for you, your frequency is going to be higher. Crossing over is going to be a little easier. If you're a child, you're completely clueless or baby. You have no idea what to do and you're looking for an adult to help you. So if you can ask for an angel for yourself or if you're still living, you can ask for angels to surround your loved one. Even if you never heard of the crossing over prayer, ask for angels to surround your loved one and cross them into the heaven world right now. And then they will go. You don't need them to be lingering and sticking with you. And as an, a, a family member who loves the person who died, yes, you have to release attachment. It helps you grieve and it helps the person who died grieve. So let me stop for a minute. Um, how am I doing? Were you You're okay? You're doing fine, Tina. I, it's just so interesting. That's why I'm, I'm not stopping you. And um, I wait till you stop because the time difference is such that you I will, understand. you know, we can't talk together. So um, let me ask you. Um, all right. Now, we did mention briefly ghosts and the process of crossing over. Now, when you said in your description, nobody has done anything about the ghosts here, you you made me think that it was necessary to clear ghosts from a place where they linger, where they uh, their energy is. Could you clarify that for us? That is a really, really great question. The ghost who haunted us in Charleston was incurring karma every time he terrified us or our Siamese, every time he broke something, 
<laughs> Excuse me a second. When a ghost is occupying the same space as a living person and they create an action for which the living person must react, they incur karma. And if that person's been there for four or 500 years, they have incurred karma all that time. And the only time the karmic clock stops is when they are crossed over into the heaven world. That's why even with murderers, and you say, well, they don't deserve the heaven world. Not ours to judge. You don't want that person reincarnating from the fourth dimension. When they go into the fifth dimension and the higher beings determine where these people go, the psychic doesn't do that, thank goodness. When those beings, when these ghosts are incurring karma, some of them are oblivious. I had a ghost jump in my car at a traffic light and cause me to rear end the guy in front of me because the ghost canceled my brakes. I had no brakes. I couldn't stop. She incurred terrible karma doing that to me. And so I've had ghosts push people causing terrible injuries. I've had people, ghosts push people in front of trains. I mean, can you imagine the karma of that? And so wouldn't each of us want to stop that? I would call that a negative entity, um, a dark soul, a dark ghost. And um, you know, everyone usually does know when they walk into a room or they walk into a closed area, what there is. It's similar to when you meet someone and you see that there's something not right. You, you feel it. You feel that either they are possessed, yeah. they have uh, some kind of negative entity attachment to them, some implants that are causing their influence to be negative. And uh, so we have ghosts, and the, that's one thing. And like you say, they come, go, they they're all over. There are more ghosts than there are humans, I believe, uh, in around us. And the issue is, for me, Tina, the way I see it is that I fine tune my sensitivity to negative spirits, negative presences, and that needs to be cleared in my immediate space. Others, I turn a blind eye because otherwise I don't do my food shopping. I don't cook. I don't get on food on the table. So I, I uh, attend to what needs urgency. Um, the way you're describing, um, a ghost who comes into the car, uh, removes the brake and it causes you to um, hit another car. It tells me that that is obviously a sign. You know that there's something wrong here. What I want to ask you is, does that happen to you when something, um, let's say, how can I put it? Does it happen to you in 
as a consequence of something that you did, a decision you made or someone you interacted with and that caused you to take on some negativity. And then the ghost comes. Is it, uh, can you understand uh, what I'm getting at? Um, in other words, am I doing something? Um, you, you, your speech was so elongated. I didn't fully hear okay. the question. Sure. And so, I want to make sure I answer. Sure. What I mean is, um, let's say, I'll give you an example. Often, I go online and I, as I mentioned before we started, I have mediumship sessions online for specific souls. People are in my chat room and when there is a negative, uh, of course, before I go in, I clear myself, I do my psychic hygiene and when I leave, just the same. But inevitably, something occurs, and it has happened to me before, and that has caused me things like you're expressing. The brakes don't work. I sprain my ankle. I trip and fall, you know, and I know that something is, I, I've, I have something. Something has come to me. Is that happening to you? The ghost coming to you as a consequence no. of encounters that you've had. I would say that it used to happen, but it uh -huh. doesn't happen anymore. Okay. And and I had to have I thought madness would set in. Sorry? It was so Excuse constant. Me? And that was in the I I thought madness would set in. It happened so constantly. And my brother said, well, you know, when you want the experience to stop, it won't happen anymore. You have the experience until you need it to stop. And I thought, okay, that sounds really clever. What is it I'm supposed to do about that? And, and I, again, had to work, I'm sure like you have, very diligently to find a lot of the answers. For instance, I carry the crossing over prayer I actually have a keychain with the prayer on it. I carry copies of the prayer in my purse. I carry it everywhere. It's, I've got copies in the car so that it's always, it's always with me. And anyone who comes toward me, I have the capacity to cross them over almost immediately because if I go into a hospital, they come at me like a swarm of, of insects. And you just think you'll go crazy. The hospitals. And they attack you. The hospitals. It can be, I mean, I walk, I, my husband and I were in Rio de Janeiro. And I mean, we drove, we drive past a graveyard and I can feel them coming. And there are several devices I wear, which also protect me, especially when I'm traveling, in addition to the prayer cards. And so when you're increasing your frequency and you're looking at psychic protection, it's not enough to bring down white light because you can't do it 24 hours a day. Exactly. You have to have alternative tools. And it has taken me years to come up with these alternative tools. And I have taken me a long time to find some of them. Um, and um, I wear them when I travel, especially when I'm in England. And uh, the first time I was in England, I didn't have I didn't have that tool 
the second time I was there because my uh, daughter got her degree, her MBA at Bath University in, in England. And the second time I had the tool and they absolutely left me alone. And I also have some tools where um, a tetrahedron, which is a platonic solid with three sides and a base, you can visualize yourself inside one of those. And as you move forward, let me see, I have one right here. Let me grab it. As my husband says, it's kind of like my control room. So this is a tetrahedron. And what you can see is it has three sides and a base, and they're all equal. And it's one of the most powerful shapes in the known world. And when you visualize mm -hmm. yourself inside of it, the ghosts cannot come and they cannot harm you. Yeah. If you can't visualize that, you can visualize an angel in front of you and an yeah. angel behind either shoulder yeah. and you will be amazingly protected, especially in a hospital. Mm -hmm. um, we talked briefly uh, about before we started recording about past life regression and i was saying to you that i did it through hypnosis and you mentioned that you don't use his hypnosis would you care to share that with us i use a type of meditation to take someone back and they're fully conscious they're fully aware they're not under and past life regressions are very powerful and you don't know what the person's going to have, what the person's going to find. It could be nothing. It could be something so traumatic that it's going to influence them for the rest of their lives. And so regressions are, are, challenge I do use this particular method and it's very very much interactive where mm -hmm. the, the client is talking to me but before I do a regression I have a long conversation with them about expectation and a lot of times they simply decide they're not going to do that you can tell what your past life is really readily by just look around your home I mean how many lives did I have in Italy every single wall is covered with Italian art gee what a concept could be you know it could have been a French and um, so I think that when you look at it from that point of view you can tell a lot about what your past lives were without actually having to go back in time yeah um, when you you said um, you talk about how you can help someone who is dying and what you should do after they die. We talked about what it's like to after. die. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you mentioned about how to help someone who is dying and how and what you should do after they, they die. When someone is dying, and let's say they're in a hospital room and they've got tubes and all this stuff, you can immediately visualize them inside a triangle of force where they are surrounded by angels. 
and you ask the angels as soon as they take their last breath to immediately cross them over. And if you happen to have a copy of the crossing over prayer, that's great. But you don't have to have it. It's a helpful tool. But your own goodwill, your own good heart is your very best tool. You can say the Lord's Prayer. You can say the 23rd Psalm. Whatever works for you, whatever your faith guidelines are. And so that's if you know someone is dying. You can also talk to them about death so that they're not afraid. People are so afraid and they're afraid it's going to hurt. And this is why I keep talking about the compassion you'll want for yourself. This is all about compassion above all else. When that person's laying in that bed, and I did this for my brother in 2017, he said, what's gonna happen when I die? And I explained the process. And I said, ask me whatever question you want. It's not like I don't spend a lot of time with dead people. And, and I said, you will have an escort like you can't imagine. I've already set it up. You are already in place. Because I could see the angel of death in his hospital room. So I knew that the end was near. And when he died, I immediately crossed him over. And the angels smiled and waved, and that was it. But let's say that you have a different situation. My brother used to work for the Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood. He was a contract negotiator. I got a frantic phone call from him late one evening, and he said, one of my dearest friends, she's a producer, she, her car broke down on the side of the road, and she was talking on her cell phone, walking by her car, and somebody hit her and killed her. And he said, I can see her. She's still on the side of the road. You have to cross her over. So now you have a completely different example of a woman who has no idea she's dead, and, you know, when I remote viewed and found her, because I had her name and my connection to her through my brother, I, I, I said, you know, I just, I'm so sorry to tell you, you died. And she said, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are, but I have a nail appointment tomorrow, and I have to meet with, a, with, with Paramount next week. So I need you to understand, I can't be dead. So I said, I deeply respect that you had a life. You had plans to make. You have people who love you and depend on you. But that time is over now. Do you see these angels that I brought for you? And she said, yes, that's real kind of you, but you have to understand I can't be dead. And I said, yes, you are. And these angels are going to take your hand and they're firmly guiding you into that beautiful light. And when you get there, you'll be able to ask the great and mighty beings who will greet you any question you want, including, why did you die so early? Because that's not in my realm to answer or to help. My job is simply, I'm the on-scene assistant. I'm just sort of the somebody's field agent, that's all. So let me see if I answered your question. Yeah. Yeah, you answered perfectly. As a matter of fact, I think it's time now to tell our audience where they can find you, your website. So, Tina, you were saying, where can my audience find you, your website and any social media? I'm on LinkedIn. I am not on Facebook. I have uh, two websites, ghosthelpers.com. It's ghosthelpers with an S.com. 
and my own personal website, tinairwin.com, and it's Irwin with an E. And both those websites will give you a lot of information. And on both those websites, it talks about the eight books that I've written, including um, this one, which is the Crossing Over Prayer book. And these are all available on Amazon. I would love to tell you that they are in multiple languages, but they're not. If you would like to know more about my incredible ghost stories and some of the experiences, um, still trying to get this on the screen here. Ghost Stories from the Ghost Point of View, mm -hmm. Volumes 1, 2, and 3. And I have a grief book and I have a book on karma and all different kinds that give you, a, if, if you're studying metaphysics, it gives you sort of a non-denominational look at the science behind how the spiritual world works. It's not a mystery. There's a logic trail to all of it. And that's really what my books try to offer, including why prayer works. Thank you so, so much for taking the time and spending it with us because you've answered and clarified so many things in such a brief time. But I, like my audience, will be going to look for your books because I think, like you say, and the case, it's the same for me, we study so hard. It's not that things come from the sky. We do study metaphysics and uh, I'm very curious to read those books. Thanks again, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm deeply grateful.